see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to the Art Box. Recorded in beautiful Virgin Valley, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, Mesquite, Nevada, and find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com. Hosting today's episode is Rochelle Knight and Steve Dudrow. Let's go have some fun. Hi, I'm Rochelle. And I'm Steve. Welcome to this episode of The Art Box. Hi, Kippy. How are you this evening? I'm good, Steve. How are you? Wonderful. Certainly glad to have you here with us. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We took Kippy around Gold Butte. Yeah. And we put some miles on the car. Yep. We put some four-wheel drive miles on the car. Yes. So, and we picked a good day. It was only, what do you think, 98 <laughs> instead 98. of 112? I was going to say, we, we gave the sunscreen a good red for Yes, we did. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're all sitting here kind of red. We are. We're, yeah. I'll just say I'm burnt. <laughs> so, Kim, you want to tell us a little bit about your early life? Absolutely. So I grew up in northern Michigan, a really small northern town on the Lake Superior shoreline. Uh, 2,500 people, seven people per square mile. Uh, very much a country bumpkin. Uh, parents were hunters. We lived out in the woods. Uh, we had TV, but only for probably about 10 years. Uh, we had a repeater up in the mountains, and that's how we got TV. And when that ran out of money, we pretty much just went walking in the woods. <laughs> for, yeah, that's great to me. That was really my childhood. Was reading books and and spending time out in the woods and uh, just exploring nature. That was that was my life. Um, I was pretty much an artist my whole life. When I uh, went to kindergarten, apparently my teachers told my parents that I was going to be an artist because I was the only kid who drew outside the box in an aptitude test. So I, I was destined to be <laughs> I was destined to be an artist from then. Uh, my mom was a really good artist. She didn't have a whole lot of creativity to create her own, but she could copy anything that she saw. So. I remember as a kid, whatever she would draw, I would try and draw it, and that was just how it all started. Um, so all through school, I did art. Um, in 1987, I uh, went overseas and spent a year living in Bombay, then Bombay, now Mumbai, India, and I went to uh, a art school there at Sophia Polytechnic, and it was a, a nine hours a day, six days a week, of graphic design oh, wow. and wow. yeah and you had to have everything approved by the teacher before you could even start working on it you, like your ideas had to go to them before you could do anything to it it was super strict and uh i didn't do very well <laughs> i didn't I do very well say, with the strictness how did, how it was hard you? you know i was 16 and it i just wasn't used to that kind of rigor sure. um i learned a ton in that class though um, I finally cut out of it after a while because I found that I was living in India, but I wasn't really learning anything about India. I was mm -hmm. learning a lot about graphic design, not a lot about India, and I really wanted to know the country where I was. So uh, I ended up kind of just cutting school, but I learned a lot. 
I went back home, uh, picked up my art classes in my senior year, but I lost a lot of my self-confidence because the kids over there that were so disciplined doing this nine hours a day, six days a week, and they knew their stuff, man. They were on it, and I wasn't. And so I lost my confidence. Um, my art teacher was amazing in high school, Miss McCabe. She was so supportive and gave me the uh, Outstanding Senior Artist Award at, the, at graduation. Again, small school. It's, it was a small school, Still so it, it sounds daughter. very impressive, <laughs> but it, I don't know how impressive it really was. Uh, it wasn't enough for me to boost my confidence. So I went to Western Michigan University as a psych major and uh, just figured I would leave art behind. It was just this frivolous thing that I did, and I wasn't going to do it anymore. So uh, when I went to Western, I, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent here, so I apologize for that. But when I went to Western, uh, I was in a general humanities class one day, a uh, big lecture hall, 300, 350 people, and I was drawing and not paying attention to the class and didn't realize the professor had stopped speaking and was standing right behind me oh, no. as I was drawing and said, see me after class. So I th as a freshman, I thought, oh, he's going to kick me out. I'm, I'm out of school now. Uh, I went to go talk to him and come to find out he was just filling in for another professor. And he was actually from the art department. And he said, do you have more like this? And I said, I have a whole portfolio of it because that's what I did in India, you know. And, um, and he said, okay. And he wrote a note and he sealed it. And he said, take this to the counselors at the art department and take your portfolio. Okay, well, I wasn't about to open the letter because, you know, that's, sure. that's a bad deal. Uh, so I went and I sat down with the counselors. Um, she flipped through my portfolio super fast. And I thought, oh, God, she hates what she sees. You know, this is terrible. Read the letter. And she said, okay. She turns around and starts typing on her computer. She said, what's your social? Which is how back then, the old days, that's how they knew you at college is you by your social. So what's your social? I told her. She turned around. She said, you're now an art major with a psych minor, and I'm waiving your first year classes. Oh, oh my gosh. And I wow. thought, wow. Okay. Serendipity. <laughs> right? I love, I love that word. That was Wasn't even given a choice. So um, went through school graduated, moved out to Nevada in 95 after I graduated, and was lucky enough to get a job as a graphic designer for an automotive catalog, automotive parts catalog. They had way too many artists and not enough work, and so I basically spent my time, some people just brought magazines to read, I brought magazines to look at the ads and decide which ones I liked, and try to recreate them using the software. So I learned how to use the software to make what I wanted. Um, that got me my job in 96 as the art director for Motorcycle Industry Magazine. And uh, I kept that job for about 15 years. Uh, the magazine folded and I was unemployed for a very long year and then got a job at the local newspaper as the lowest of the low. And uh, that, was a, that was a blow for me, <laughs> you know. Uh, I was coming from 15 years of experience and they didn't care. I, I was new and that's just the way it started. So uh, I started there and then within, I think four years, I was managing a team of about 12. And we just had this amazing, symbiotic, awesome thing going. And then one day, uh, a friend of mine who had worked at the newspaper before called me and said, Nevada Magazine is losing their art director. Do you want the job or do you want to come in and interview? It was like a dream come true. It was it was everything, you know. It was me going back to my roots of working in magazine, and it was Nevada, which I love. And um, I was really lucky they offered me the job very quickly. And so that's where I am today as the art director of 
Nevada Magazine, now Nevada Magazine and Visitor Guide, recent change. So That's great. There you go. <laughs> so now, let, tell us about some of your art. I, I, just from meeting you today and all of our conversations, you do a lot of different types of art. Yes, I, I do. Um, I've still got a little bit of the drawing and the painting in me, um, but honestly, once I learned Photoshop, I was like, oh my gosh, there's an undo button. <laughs> yes, <know? it's> <laughs> <Control Z. laughs> right? I was like, anything I screw up, I can just undo it. And uh, I got lazy, I guess. Um, and then, uh, um, so a lot of my art turned digital. Uh, while I was working at the Motorcycle Magazine, probably around the 2000, 2001 mark, uh, I decided I didn't want to pay for stock photography anymore because it was getting expensive. And I thought, how hard could it be? <laughs> you, know, you pick up a camera and that's what you do. So, um, so I got a camera and I decided I was going to be a photographer. And boy, was it hard. It was nowhere near as easy as I thought it was going to be. And um, I joined a chat room, a Yahoo chat room called The Dark Room and met up with other photographers and got myself a mentor who was in Australia, a professional photographer, and just kind of took me under his wing and gave me all the hard critiques. And uh, we used to video chat, and uh, I would be crying by the end. And really, the same thing at Western, you know, when we would do critiques there and everything. I, in the early days, I would leave crying because they're hard. They're right. really hard. Right. And being critiqued by your peers is a tough deal. So anyway. Steve did that for, not not this Steve, sorry, different Steve <laughs> over in Australia, did that for me, and um, I never looked back. He, he just, he really drilled it into me how to be a better photographer. So um, luckily I've just kind of kept practicing, and um, I've gotten some images uh, selected by National Geographic as like their photos of the day or their editor's choice and stuff, and those were big validations for oh, me that's huge. you know so <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so uh so there's drawing painting um when I was in college I I've taken 12 years of piano lessons so when I was in college I started composing piano music and um wrote poetry of course because didn't many of us uh, write poetry yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so uh my ultimate goal in college was to write a book of my poetry illustrated by me with my paintings and to be sold with a CD of my music compositions. And how pretentious. Uh, I had an opportunity with a professor at uh, real close to graduation. He wanted to, uh, or he was taking a group over to Italy to study how visual art and audio art go together and how to make them work better together. But I didn't have the money and I was graduating and I was thought, you know, time for me to move on. So. I didn't take that opportunity. Who knows what it could have been? Sure. I, you could have been interviewing a famous poet. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. But, but now she's a famous poet. So, yeah, so I'm a dabbler in a lot of things. You know, what do they say? Jack of all trades, master of none. And that's pretty much what I do. So. You're famous in my book. <laughs> well, thank you. It's a very small book. We're like, Kippy's guy have a small book. <laughs> so, do you still play the piano? I do. Actually, yeah. So it's still part of your life. It is. It's a really a relaxation thing for me now. I don't compose or anything like that, but I just I I really enjoy just sitting down and playing. 
Yeah, what a talent. Oh, thanks. And then I think I heard you say something about a motorcycle today. So oh. have you did you, have you had a motorcycle in the past? I have. So when I started at the motorcycle industry, I've wanted a motorcycle my entire life. I always wanted to ride. And I started at the motorcycle magazine, and I thought, well, this is my perfect excuse to do so. Um, bought myself a 1985 uh, 650 Honda Nighthawk and had it for all of about three weeks. Um, when I wrecked it up in the mountains, I was riding with a friend of mine, and and he was, he was going fast enough to almost scrape the pegs on the turns, and I was not experienced enough to do it, but I was cocky enough to think that I could, right. and I didn't. You wanted, you wanted to keep up with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. So uh, I took a I took a curve too wide. Luckily, it was on the rock side and not the cliff side, and. Um, I just totaled the motorcycle and, and messed myself up a little bit, but uh, so I sold the motorcycle for parts. It wasn't there wasn't there weren't very many parts that were any good on it anymore. Um, kind of the same with me. I have some parts that aren't very good on me either. Uh, but um, but anyway, it's it's one of those things where I I still have that that itch of like oh I really want to be on a bike, but I still have the fear too of. Sure of knowing what uh, the medical bills were and what the recovery was like and all that kind of stuff. So it's kept me this side of owning a motorcycle. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, that getting back on the horse, I think, would be really hard after that. After you know what yeah. it feels like to fall off. It's hard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell us about a little bit more about the teachers and mentors ah, yeah. in your okay. life. So <laughs> I told you about the, t the uh, professor in college who basically started my art career. He became a recurring character in my college career, uh, Richard DePoe, and he's retired now, lives up in the UP where I grew up, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And uh, he, I don't even I don't even know how to explain how impacting he was in my life. And it really was only a few key times that he even touched it. It was that first time when he saw something in me and, you know, that, that started it. Um, a little later on, in, I was walking across campus one time and he saw me and he called out my name and he said, I'm putting up this exhibit of these Japanese artists. Do you want to help me? I, I mean, I hadn't seen him in I don't even know how long. You know, I said, yeah, sure, what the heck? So I came and helped put up this exhibit. They didn't speak any English. I didn't speak any Japanese. We did it all just by smiles and facial expressions. <laughs> and, um, and I just kind of got back in with him. And he said, you know, we're, we're starting this graphic design class at Western. And nobody has done it before because it was all manual paste up before then. And he said, I think you should give it a shot. And so I thought, well, sure. You know, I studied graphic design before when it was not on a computer. Why not try it now when it is a computer? So that was Photoshop 2.0 was what they had. Nobody knew how to use it. We had these labs where we would go in and we would play around, but nobody actually knew enough to teach anything about it. It was just kind of getting familiar. But he always opened up the labs for me and told me I could come in even when it wasn't my own lab time. And when I would walk in the room, he would make everybody stop. And he would say, look at her because she's going to be somebody. And I, I'm not. But, but there wow. was that, that huge installation of confidence that I... Sorry, I get a little misty about this. Oh, I don't blame you. That, what a compliment. That I was going to be somebody. 
you know what I mean? And I, I think you just, you hear that kind of stuff from somebody that you admire so much and it changes your life and it changed my life. Um, there was another professor who was, uh, um, life drawing professor. He's, uh, John Clemens. He's, uh, unfortunately passed away now, but, um, I was having a really tough time at one point in, in my college career and he saw it <laughs> during a life drawing class and he said, come outside with me. This is Northern, Northern Michigan in the fall. Come outside with me. And so we went outside and, and, uh, we're sitting out on the, on the lawn and he said, now look up at the trees and reverse the space. I can't do that. And he said, as soon as you learn how to see the sky in front of the trees, you are never going to see anything the same again. He said, just keep practicing. Because I lived out in this area that was very wooded. It was a little bit off campus. And he said, just keep practicing. He said, when it happens, you'll know it. And by God, he was right. I, I tell you, like, it took me probably a month of walking back to my my room and I just, I remember, I remember the day it happened because it hit me like a thunderbolt. I'm walking along and all of a sudden everything just shifted. It was like my whole world just shifted on its axis. And I I stopped in the middle of the pavement. I just couldn't even move because everything was so different from that moment on. So sorry I get all emotional, my goodness. What a great experience. Um, So these two gentlemen... Um, I mean, I've had a lot of really good influences in my life. And like I said, Ms. McCabe from when I was in high school is a, a part of it too. But these two professors in college, they have no clue how much they did. And the, how much did it cost them? I mean, you know, they, they took a minute out of their day to say something encouraging to me. And it changed everything. So are you still, you mentioned one of them has passed away, but are you still yeah. in contact with the other two? I, uh, I was, actually, <laughs> with both of them. Uh, Ms. McCabe, I haven't talked to in a long time. Uh, I'm not sure what her, where she's at or what she's doing. Um, but uh, uh, Richard DePoe, we kept in contact for many, many years. And then the last letter he sent me was, I'm moving up to the UP, and here's a picture, and here's where we're going to be living. And I lost the letter. <laughs> So so I don't have his address anymore. We used to send Christmas cards and stuff like that, and I just haven't heard from him since he moved. I'm sure, you know, life got busy or, or maybe life got unbusy up right. in the UP. Right. Things change, you know. But those people have, have just that, they have that spot in my heart, right. you know. So. Well, and I think it's good to have those experiences because then we can give those to somebody else. We can say, wow, one little comment, look how it changed my life. And, and look yeah. at the confidence boost I got. And especially with something like art, I think we need those. We need the affirmation. We're so hard on ourselves. And I think, especially someone you know in a professor level, to have that. Yeah. Gosh, and what a gift. And like you said, it didn't cost me anything. Exactly right. I feel like that was smiling at people every single day. It doesn't, yeah. It doesn't cost me anything. Exactly right. And and the opposite is so true. You know, it, if you're having a crappy day, you don't have to be crappy to people. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? You right. you can change that and not not make that what you give to the world. So I, I just I feel like that some people don't realize the impact they have on the on people and the world around them with something so simple as just one day right one moment yep and the gifts that we can give each other yeah amen (laughs) 
so Kippy, I wanted to ask you, I happen to know about two passions that you have yeah. in your life. Okay. Um, I know one's in the air and, <laughs> and one's on the water. You want to talk oh, about that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> one's in the air. Are you talking about the drone? I'm talking about the drone. Oh, okay. Because I will always, it's one, it's one of my favorite <laughs> pictures ever. I was telling somebody about it today too. I th- probably was probably telling Lois about it. The picture that you took, I don't think you were doing the drone that long when you took a picture of you in your kayak. Hold yes. on, I'm giving away the water. Is that, <laughs> okay. you, you combine the two to, yes. to do a masterpiece. Yes, yes. Okay. The, the picture and the rocks underneath. And yeah. you want to talk about how you got into drones or how you got into kayaking? Sure. Oh, boy. You guys got five hours to talk about this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, kayaking was something. Uh, so uh, jumping back a little bit. I met my husband, Jeremy, in the chat room, in the photography chat room, the dark room on Yahoo. It was um, Thanksgiving Day 2004. We both logged in, and, and um, at that point, you could attach your, uh, your profile photos. And the first thing he said to me was, I hope I can take photos like that someday. And I was like, oh, well, flattery will get you everywhere. So um, from that day, we have spoken every day, either online, on the phone, an email, something like that. Um, He lived in D.C. I lived out here. He came out to visit. We went back and forth. A year later, he rolled into my driveway with his life in the back of his truck, and we've been going ever since. So that said, he's a sailor. He used to race sailboats uh, in D.C., and so um, he really loves water. And I'm like, well, it's a great thing you moved to Nevada then, (laughs) because here we are in the middle of the desert. but anyway, so he said, well, have you ever gone kayaking? And I said, no, I haven't. And uh, he said, I think you'd like it. And I said, well, uh, maybe I would. And so we just jumped into it, bought two kayaks used off Craigslist and went up on Tahoe. And I loved it. I fell in love with kayaking the very first moment, I, the very first paddle. I thought this was, this is it for me. So um, we moved on from there because we're both photographers we moved on from there to thinking that this is something we really love and we want to bring it to other people. So bringing the cameras out on the boats became like the next step. You know, that was the, the logical thing for us. So we did that. And um, in 2014, I think it was, we completed building our own wooden kayaks, which Jeremy engineered a little um, cubby up at the top. Cubby is not the right word, but I'm tired and we've been out in the sun all day. So, <laughs> uh, But there's a little cubby up at the top for us to keep our camera gear dry and safe. So it's custom designed for us like that. Um, and so we started doing that. And then Jeremy started learning about these drone things. And he's like, people, we, we could do this like regular people. And uh, we looked into what it took to study to get the part 107 FAA license to do so. And realized it was totally doable for us. So we struck out, we took the class, we, we uh, downloaded the remote, or purchased the Remote Pilot 101 class for learning how to be drone pilots, and that's what we did. We got ourselves licensed and then off and running. And we do fly the drone from the kayak. Uh, the box that we use for all of our camera gear is the same size box that they have for the drone, so we'll take the drone out and launch it from the boat. and. Um, it's just, it's really opened up a, a new world for us. As you said with that with that photo, uh, the kayak photo up in Tahoe, that was one of the um, Nat Geo uh, editor's choice and photos of the day. 
and it's been on the cover of Nevada Magazine. It won a uh, photo of the year from the um, Nevada Press Association a couple years back, and it's just, it's been a really... Oh, so I have good taste. Huh? Yeah, you absolutely do. Well, I knew that. You chose me, so <laughs> here we are. So, you know, so I know Kippy from Nevada Magazine. Yeah. Okay, um, but we also I also know you every day from Facebook. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Kippy puts a. Um, I wait for it every day. It's <laughs> almost every day. There's not many days you don't miss. You know, one, two, three. Yep. You put a number of things, and I have to read through each. <laughs> Because they're always good, and I'm always laughing, or I get something out of it. Yeah. So I um, appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate <laughs> it. So, um, you know, you want to talk about, and this is one, this is Rochelle's question, really, and it's had really good response from all of our guests. How do you handle the critic in your head? Yeah, um, I shut that crap down. <laughs> I really, uh, I I don't really have um, much of a critic in my head, which I don't know if that's even a healthy thing. Uh, maybe I'm just a narcissist. I'm not exactly sure, but I just don't. Um, my my way of handling and processing things that don't work for me are just to learn from them and not. I I don't beat myself up over it. I consider myself. I don't know if I can even say this, but I consider myself a recovering Catholic, and I don't do the self-flagellation anymore. I don't. I just. I just don't have any time for it in my life, and um, I don't feel it. Uh, sometimes at work, you know, there's there's the cri- criticism that comes at work, uh, but even that, it doesn't last very long. It just kind of rolls off, and. Uh, I let it go. I, I just, it just doesn't work for me. So I don't let it in. How, how healthy is that? I don't know. We've is never, it good? That's, we've never got an answer like that, have we? I, I think that is, you, know, you said narcissist. No, I think, I think that's just a sign of a very healthy mind. Yeah, and do you know, I think when you have that, that's when creativity really happens and innovation. And maybe so, yeah. Because you don't have that bad voice in your head whispering like, oh, I don't know about that. It's and funny you say that. So um, when the pandemic hit, uh, I became interested in, in stained glass. And I have a friend who does stained glass work. And so I've started doing some of that. Um, and uh, I, she laughs at me because, you know, you start out with a really simple thing. And mine was horrible. It was really bad. Um, but I just kept trying new things. And she said, you, you've like tried all these advanced things and you don't even seem to care if it doesn't work. I really don't. I, it's, it's so fun. And if it doesn't work, oh, well, (laughs) I mean, I haven't hurt the world or changed anything. It just is something that didn't work. So I have no need to beat myself up over it. It just means I'd do something different next time. So I love that attitude. That's awesome. Yeah. The the other thing, Again, I'll go back to Facebook because that's where we <laughs> right. that's where we conversed the right. other day. Is your home improvement project Ugh. okay? Whether it's outside <laughs> or inside, we get a view from what it looked like before, and then it looks like during demolition. <laughs> yeah. um, then we get another look at demolition. Yes, and then yes. it starts to build, and there's pictures, pictures. It's all, uh, if we could do a time lapse. You need to let me come to your house and do a time lapse <laughs> of, some, yeah. of some of your home improvement projects. That would be great. You know, and really, I use, um, I have a really bad memory. So when people tell me something like, why are you taking so many photos? Just sit back and relax and enjoy it. This is how I enjoy it. Because I'm recording this 
for later when I forget. So I have a very bad memory. And a lot of stuff that I post on Facebook, I forget that there are actually other people watching it. So I post it for me. Like, okay, here's what we did today. And here's, you know, here's how I looked after all of it and everything. Nobody cares. There's nobody out there that cares about that, but I do it for myself. And then all of a sudden people start commenting and sometimes it kind of takes me back. You know what I mean? It surprises me. Sometimes when I'm out shooting events in Carson City, people will come up and say something like, I love the color of your rug in your library. <gasps> totally blows me away. You know, you've seen those commercials on TV where they're like, where it's the creeper who's like, what color underwear are you wearing today, Melissa? You know, type of thing. And I, I kind of feel like that. Like, oh, I need to remember that other people are out there looking at this, but really I do it for me. And that's, that's my, my whole process in art in general and life in general. Whatever I'm doing, I'm doing for me. And if somebody else doesn't like it, they don't have to look. I had somebody uh, comment a couple years ago, said, enough pictures of the dogs already. I'm like, you know, if you don't like it, you can just scroll right on by and look somewhere else because it's not going to stop. So, you know, stuff like that, I don't care. Oh, goodness, you took my next question. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, boy. Sorry about that. Oh, the dogs. The puppies, yes. So tell us about your dogs. Oh, well. Um, so we have two dogs. One is an English lab named Larry. And he was named Larry because he uh, he actually was born to a breeder friend of mine. And um, they uh, found him one day behind the TV chewing on the cables. So they kind of colloquially named him Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, he was two years old when he came to us, a little over two, I think. And he had, as I understand it, he had won best in show for his first time out, but he hated it. Excuse me. And so, um, he didn't deal with the critic in his head. Well, he hated doing it. He just didn't enjoy it. And she wants her dogs to be happy. And so she said, I'm not going to make him do it, you know, if he doesn't like it. And we had just lost one of our labs, um, very unexpectedly. And so she contacted me. We have a long history of this, she and I, but she contacted me and said, I know it might be too soon, but if you'd like, I would not trust anybody else to take care of Larry. She said, he's a very special dog. He needs lots of attention and lots of love that we can't give him because she's a breeder and so she has a lot of shows and stuff like that. And so uh, we drove to Colorado. She met us halfway. She's in Oklahoma now. Um, met us halfway and we made sure that all the dogs got along and we adopted Larry and brought him into the family. And he is the most loving, sweet. Every time you sneeze, if you have something on your lap, you move it out of the way because that dog is coming in hot. And he wants to give you a hug and give you lots of kisses. Sneezes for some reason just trigger him as like something terrible is happening. So that's Larry. And uh, we adopted Cedar. Cedar was an abused dog. And uh, we adopted her from Dogtown uh, out in Yer uh, Yerington. Um, not Yerington, not Stillwater, uh, my brain. Anyway, we adopted Cedar. Um, she was brought to the pound less than a year old, fully pregnant. And the owner said, either you take care of her or I will. And so the pound took her in. And then Lorraine out at Dogtown took her in and she had her puppies and not many of them survived. but. She was almost untouchable. She had been abused, obviously. And um, so they, they raised her puppies and they adopted her puppies out and then they kept her and kept working with her to get her to the point where she could be adopted. So I'd been working on Jeremy, my husband, to let me have a third dog. We had two labs at that point. And I said, you know, three 
three would really be good because one of our labs is getting older and Larry needs a playmate and that came Cedar. So we adopted her and um, it's been a little bit of work. She she still has her trigger issues, you know, that, that bug her, but we know them now so we can work with them. And uh, it took us quite a few months to get her to eat food out of a bowl. We would have to put one piece of kibble on the floor and then back away and let her eat it and then put another piece of kibble and back away and let her eat it. So now she eats out of the dog bowl like a big dog. <laughs> and uh, um, Yeah, so we have Larry and Cedar, and, and they're, we don't have kids. We have the, the dogs, and they're our kids, as you know, because you see 100,000 photos of them all the time. I, 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 get, <laughs> I get to see the family. Yep. Jeremy yep. and Kippy's family. Yep. And it's That's beautiful. It. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. questions that we like to ask is do you have any tips or tricks that you'd like to share Whew. and this can be in art anything, in career huh? be nice That's a good one. <laughs> it's not much of a tip or trick is it um shoot uh I'm, I think I'm, I'm good with be nice uh you know I do have one really good tip that I learned from Robin who was somebody who taught a class at Eagles and Eggs many years ago. So there's an event up in uh, the Carson Valley called Eagles and Eggs, and it's the springtime with the foaling, uh, or I don't know if it's called full calving. It's calving season. And so the eagles come to the valley, and so they make an event of it um, to where people can photograph the eagles, and, and there's a lot of education involved. She was teaching a class. We took it, and she gave me one very valuable piece of information about shooting specifically raptors and birds of prey, but I think there's a lot of birds that do it. When a bird is sitting on a post or a fence or whatever, right before it's going to fly, it'll poop. And it's a good tip because then you know, get your camera ready because they're going to go. Now, they probably will go away from you and you'll get a big picture of bird butt because that's the way it works for us. But it's good to know that when you want to get an action shot, that's what's going to happen. So we have this whole class of people, right? We're all on the side of the road and we're all watching this bird on a post. And all of a sudden, like 30 people yell, poop! <laughs> and everybody knows they've got their camera up and all that. So there you go. There's my tip is watch for the birds to poop. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. See? I know. I yeah. remembered it all these years later. It's a good one. Okay, so Kippy, um, wrapping up here, and, and really thank you for the day today. <laughs> thank um, you. From yeah. breakfast, we had a really good breakfast, huh. uh, a yummy breakfast. We did. Albeit, and it was a good, cool day for the summer. <laughs> I think I already said it was only 90 degrees. Right? You Southerners. <laughs> <laughs> it was flipping hot. <laughs> so what we like to ask, our last question is, what has inspired you this week? This question has plagued me. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that I know about it, am I? That's fine. I'm sorry. Um, it, it has plagued me, though, because you, you kind of gave me a little warning that you might be asking something like this. And uh, I I don't know that I am easily inspired. And I think that's what I came to is in thinking about it is, um, gosh, I, I don't know. I, I Or maybe I'm over-inspired. I don't know what the answer is. But I can tell you that today what inspired me, and I'm going to try not to be emotional about this, was the kindness that you all showed to me and Alex. Because <laughs> we came down here not knowing what Gold Butte really was or how extensive it was and how much it took to get out to some of these places. 
And um, I've been wanting to come here ever since I knew about Gold Butte and knew that Steve was part of the Friends of Gold Butte and could take me out there and show me these really amazing things. I had no clue how how like devoted you really had to be. You really got to want to be out there to get to some of this stuff. And uh, it was more than Alex and I expected. And uh, we are northern girls that don't do very well in the heat. And neither one of us are super fit. And um, we have a really grueling schedule for our trip right now. And uh, this was, there was a lot today that was making me nervous about our future plans. And you guys just switched on a dime. You changed all the plans. You went with the flow. You gave us options. You let us change everything up. And you affected our lives today. And you might not realize it, but you did. You did a really good thing. So thank you. Well, well thank you. And I do thank apologize <laughs> for not telling you. When, <laughs> when I tear across this field, you need to put it in four-wheel drive, keep it up that hill. Because Kimmy got, what do you think, seven-eighths up the hill, and then her back tires start going, yeah. because I neglected to tell her, put it in four-wheel drive. I figured it out quickly enough. It was a great day, and we really just appreciate you guys so much, and just the extra above and beyond that you guys really did touch us. So thank that you. That warms our heart. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And I really enjoyed getting to know both of you. And I want to just finally say, uh, tell about a gift that Kippy brought for all of us, and it was the most wonderful strawberries I have ever oh. tasted. <laughs> you I, reminded me I have more out in the car for you. Okay. I'm still thinking of them. <laughs> That's the uh, Carson City Farmer's Market every Saturday morning at 8.30 to noon, I believe. And this is uh, Rodriguez Strawberries out of California. They are the best. Uh, sorry for the little plug, but... Oh, no. Worth the drive. They, Yeah. They... they uh, I think it's Rodriguez. Now I'm now I'm questioning myself, but I'm pretty sure that's the name of them. But anyway. Okay. If you find his website, we will put it on there, too. Oh, that's nice. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Kippy, once again, thank you for you and Alex... Alex wants to say anything. Hi. Hi, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> for, for gracing us with your presence today. We had a great time. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Wow. What a great interview. It was. It was a great interview to end a wonderful day. So, Rochelle, um, moving on here towards the end of our number four podcast, I believe. Um, what has inspired you this week? I've been working on July's themed competition, which is Let Your Dreams Fly. My inspiration for this painting uh, is that I have two nieces that have recently graduated, one from high school and one from a master's degree program. And it depicts a girl standing on a ledge uh, overlooking a lake and beautiful mountains in the background. And her hands are in the air like she's celebrating. And it has a huge sun and lots of colorful flowers. And ho I'm hoping that it depicts that the world is yours and you have bright days ahead and lots to look forward to. You are so deep. I can't <laughs> believe it. You know what I'm entering? I'm entering two airplanes flying. Which is perfect. <laughs> yeah, but that's all I can think about. But you're, let your dreams fly, dreams. Yeah, mine's probably a little too literal because I have butterflies going off in the distance. But yes, but yours is amazing too. I think <laughs> the two pilots that are there are, they're letting their dreams fly. You think so? Yes. <laughs> So what have you been inspired by this week? Um, this week's been pretty inspiring. We've been working on a uh, Rochelle's part of a team that's been assigned by the BLM to review or observe a calendric feature 
which is basically a calendar, a prehistoric calendar, because um, back 2,000 plus years ago, they didn't have cell phones to tell them what day it was. So we've been working on it. We've been looking at a spot where the sun shines in the morning and you should be able to tell the force, the change of the four seasons by the sun. But that, I mean, that was totally inspiring. But what was more inspiring, um, the other day after we're done and done, we went with a, a, a couple site stewards in Lincoln County and they took us to their sites. And the very last, I think it was the last one we went to, um, was interesting, but um, Rochelle and I were kind of off to one side looking at a rock, trying to see if there was any any cultural carvings or anything on it, and looked up, and there was two big mountains um, full of hoodoos, and we'll, we'll put on the website what a hoodoo is, and then a saddle in the middle, and the saddle in the middle is, is the, the, the transition spot between the two mountains, so it was lower, and there was not a cloud in the sky, and that kind of takes me back to my art because I have a hard time drawing the sky. Now, I know Rochelle tells me, what's that color to use? There's a couple. I use uh, cobalt and ultramarine blue. Ultramarine blue, yes. Yeah. So since she said you use cobalt, I've changed when I draw, when I draw, when I paint the sky. But then with her artist ways, she sat there and explained to me the different colors of blue that went up from that saddle. And it was just... It was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. So. And I liked that it was the first day of summer, which if you ever look at the sky, you know, during different seasons, you'll see that the sky is different colors based on where the sun is. And so it was a neat time to actually really observe the sky to see that this is this is where the sun is the highest. And it was just a beautiful deep blue. And it did. It ranged from uh, colors that I'll name that are for acrylic, but it was phthalo blue a lighter one at the bottom and then then it went to yeah cold vault and then on up to the ultramarine blue so so special thanks for that day um to um dennis and patricia who are the stewards and they took three of us on a on an exhausting um all morning tour and i i got really sunburned me too <laughs> again so, so but it was fun so um that's it for episode four of the art box I'd like to mention a couple of things that we haven't been um, coming this month at the gallery. And this will be um, put out on July 4th, released on July 4th. But this month is, like Rochelle said, um, Let Your Dreams Fly exhibition in our main gallery. So please drop by and see and, and vote for your favorite piece of art. And the other thing is um, we have an email address, and it is artboxvv at gmail.com. So please feel free to suggest guests or any other thing. If you have questions or you want a link for anything we've talked about, feel free to reach out to us. We will respond. So uh, that's it. Thank you. Bye. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, visit us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com.